0: You're listening to A Date with Data with your
1: host, Amy Bitterman.
0: Hey, it's Amy, and I'm so excited to be hosting A Date with Data. I'll be chatting with state and district special education staff who, just like you, are dealing with IDEA data every day. A Date with Data is brought to you by the IDEA Data Centre. Welcome to A Date with Data. Today, we are changing it up a bit, and I am so excited to be joined by two of my colleagues. We have two IDC TA providers, Mary Watson and Amber Store, and they have been really involved with several of the states who are in Cohort 1 of OSEP's Differentiated Monitoring and Support, or DMS, and they are joining us to talk about the experience that they've seen and lessons that they've learned from their perspective as TA providers. And to to get started, um, could each of you tell just a little bit about yourselves and your background? And Mary, do you want to go first?
1: Sure, Amy. Thank you. Uh, My name is Mary Watson, and I uh, started working with the IDEA Data Center, IDC, in its first year of um, being launched. And prior to that time, I had worked with the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction in various roles in special education. And my last years there, I was the state director of special education.
0: Thanks, Mary. Amber, how about you?
1: Sure, I'm very happy to be here with you all today.
2: And uh, my experience is a little bit opposite of Mary's, where Mary was here at the very beginning of IDC. I've been with IDC for just over one year. Um, But prior to that, I was a research and data Um, specialist at the West Virginia Department of Education for almost 10 years. So I come with a very strong background in evaluation and data and analytics.
0: Thanks. Yeah, I forgot both of you have that strong history in the states before you became TA providers. So I know that probably helped out a lot in the work you've been doing with states, especially with DMS. Absolutely. So this first question, I'm just going to ask Mary, because she, I know, has been involved with some of the states who are in cohort one really since since phase one. Can you tell us how you have been supporting the the states that you've worked with during phase one? And And just as a reminder for folks who may not really be familiar with DMS, that's Um, The phase in which states are providing relevant information back to OSEP, documentation, responding to questions, and that sort of thing. So, Mary, what what was that first phase like um, for you and and working with the states?
1: Well, Amy, when we first started working with states in phase one, and I advise this even moving forward, it's important, I think, to build your team as TA providers, and we did that. Uh, as across centers with IDC, partnering with NCSI and Cypher to get to know each other to support the state and to get to know the context of the state. So you're you're kind of building your TA team, but you're also getting to know the state team that's going to be working with the DMS. Because depending on the size of the state, every single staff person may not be directly involved. So you you spend a little bit of time getting to know who's going to be involved and how the how the state's going to approach their DMS visit. And I think from there, some uh, many conversations about uh, this is what the state needs to be doing every day. It's the DMS visit is about checking the state's systems, but it's not above and beyond what the state should already have in place. And I think that's important for for all of us to understand and in saying that um, in actual technical assistance we looked at their systems an overview of their systems and using some of the osep provided resources like the document review and request template and the osep protocols um, we started to kind of help the state organize themselves with the people that were going to be involved around those protocols and then reviewing their website or helping them to review their website to make sure that they have the documents that are being requested or, and also to make sure that things on the website are current and, and accurate that they're uh, not out of date. And, I, in many instances, we haven't done that many yet, but as states start reviewing their websites, they do find things that are, that need to be taken down from the website. Mm-hmm. Um, we supported the state during the OSEP calls and interviews. And during that phase, we're mainly listeners and note takers, but immediately following the calls, we would follow right back up with the state for a debrief to you know, help them get ready for the next call or help them strategize how they're gonna to respond to some of the questions or things they were asked in the call. Um, so really just um, being kind of partners with the state silent partners, for the most part, while they're working with OSEP, but then helping them to prepare their materials, helping them to uh, be ready for the next interview, maybe asking some questions to help them prepare for responding during those interviews uh, that were taking place during phase one. That may be a little different moving forward. And encouraging the state to feel comfortable and let OSEP know when they need to have some time to get back to them on certain questions. If they're in the, the phase one interviews and they really aren't sure about how they should respond, they need to just say that and then we'll help them draft a response or they can look through their documents and make sure they have what OSEP is asking for.
0: Yeah, that's really great advice. I think in the, in the midst of it when you're kind of you know nervous or anxious and you want to just respond and give them an answer you just have to keep remembering you know to give yourself that time to take a breath and think and and you can always say like let me have a chance you know to pull that together and get it back to you so then kind of moving into phases two and three which is now called the engagement phase and also during the action you know during the visits themselves Amber, can you start off by by talking to us about the support that, that you provided in those phases two and three?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so having come on board after phase one, phase two, and then of course phase three is when I really kicked in and, and working with my state. Um, so one of the first things that the state did, you know, we had a, a really strong state team and they had already submitted a lot of their documents or all of their documents to OSEP. Um, So one of the next things that we did was update all of their data process toolkits. The data process toolkits are IDC tools that allow states to capture their processes for the different data collections, um, knowing the timelines, to the people responsible to the file specs and locations. And this is really, it was really an internal activity for the state. It wasn't something that, that they did to share with OSEP. It was more an exercise to make sure that all of their protocols and websites and data displays um, were all up to date so that they did have everything in place as osep was going through and checking their documentation and checking their website links and so the state just found that as a really really helpful exercise uh, to get them prepared Then a couple of other things that I was more heavily involved with is, you know, whenever we would have a meeting with OSEP, um, we would always come together with the different TA providers and the state team and have a debriefing call um and it was usually very very brief but it was a really good way for everybody to kind of synthesize what was going on what the next steps were so that nothing was missed i found that incredibly helpful because as an as not part of the state itself you know i was able to observe and perceive things in a different way than, you know, when you're the state being put on the spot at mm-hmm. that moment. And so it was just a really great time for everybody to be able to reflect. And then the other big piece was uh, a site visit that we did um, in preparation for their OSEP site visit. And uh, this kind of goes back to what Mary was saying in that we were really lucky and that the state invited Um, TA providers from not only IDC, which was myself, but also from two other technical assistance centers, the NCSI and Cypher. And so we had three different TA providers from three different organizations with three very different perspectives that were able to all help coach and suggest and, you know, keep, thoughts in the forefront and provide some techniques that really helped the state become a lot more comfortable and confident. They had all of their pieces in place, but again, just the the practice and mm-hmm. these different perspectives that we brought to the table, it really put them in a position to succeed. They were a lot more comfortable and prepared to talk to OSEP during a site visit.
1: Mary, what what about you? Well, i certainly agree with everything that amber um, shared about phase two Mm -hmm. i think um, being that friendly face that they're used to seeing during phase two especially the own site was was more helpful than than i realized i mean they articulated that that having a friend in the room was helpful to help them relax um listening again and taking notes so that you can at breaks or when you debrief, as Amber talked about, the debrief times being so valuable, you can uh, help them remember some of the things they may need to mention. Um, they, uh, The states may hear the question from OSEP and not really answer directly um, as many things that they're doing that they need to share. I don't know if I said that clearly, <laughs> but um, I think the TA providers in listening and taking notes can help the states articulate remember you are using this strategy and you need to tell them about that so you can do that coaching that amber was referring to Um, and also during phase two when they were on site i started along with others that were there to just jot notes about how we would support the state following the visit as you hear the questions and you know what materials they have and maybe where they need more support it's a good time to just start drafting out some things that you can offer and support in a follow-up manner.
0: All the TA providers that have been involved have been supporting states. Um, I know I've heard from a number of states who are maybe in cohorts two or or later for the DMS visits that... Are completing those data process um, protocols that you mentioned, or updating them if they've already done them. You mentioned already a couple of the the tools and resources. I know that that are available, Mary. What what have you found to be the most helpful for states um, in in preparing and taking part in the the on-site or virtual visits?
1: Well, definitely states that have completed or are in process of documenting their data processes has been extremely helpful. And Amber spoke to that as well. It's it's helpful to have that documentation, but the conversation that that process elicits is so important in helping states prepare to be able to articulate their system to to anybody else. Um, there's just lots of rich conversations as you document all of the 618 data and the 616 data. So it's, it has the great outcome of having your data processes documented, but it also has the unseen outcome of helping states talk about their system and understand it better. And then along with that, the OSEP uh, provided materials, the document review and request template I found as a TA provider to be very helpful. It gave me a starting place on, oh, these are the documents they're going to want to see. So when you meet with a state, you have, you have kind of a list of what what documents they're going to be looking for. So I I thought that was helpful. And then OSEP has protocols for each of the areas, like compliance, the data area, the fiscal area. They have protocols with questions that they may ask, because it's it's not guaranteed they'll ask 100% of those questions, but those are extremely helpful. And then the TA centers took those protocols, working together, the TA centers, and made them into a checklist format so that it's the same questions same material but on the right column there are areas where you can check off you know if you have this additional information the state may want to record so they're kind of working documents i found those to be very very helpful yeah and we'll put links
0: to all of these different resources too in the notes for the the episode that's great Amber, any other resources or tools that you want to mention? You
2: know, beyond the things that, that Mary's mentioned, I would just reiterate that, you know, we used the protocols from OSEP um, as well in our preparation. And we really leveraged those to make sure that everybody kind of knew who was going to be taking the lead in speaking. And then we would have, you know, someone who would be kind of like the secondary Speaker and the state actually, for those different sections uh, within the protocols, they actually kind of took the time to write out almost script. And they didn't read that verbatim, but they did read it out loud to each other so that they could make sure that they were providing the best possible response to each of the questions, to each of the prompts. And I think that really, you know, not only did it help with the comfort and confidence in in actually articulating their responses to OSEP, but they became more practiced at it. And the team together collectively became more knowledgeable about each other's specific roles within their larger system. So I think that that allowed everybody just to have a much better idea about the big picture as well as understanding of their individual responsibilities and roles.
0: And and finally, um, what would you say are some of kind of the key lessons learned advice or tips that you would share with states who are maybe in, in Cohort 2 or, or Cohort 1 and are still in kind of those earlier phases? Amber, do you want to kick that off?
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we've informally been working on, and it it might, you know, maybe knock on wood, someday turn into a formal tool, is kind of putting together a a check sheet, a cheat sheet, a uh, quick facts or things to keep in mind type of document and allowing the team to set forth their own protocols for the things that they were were going to do in the meeting. Again, that's kind of like going back to, you know, who's going to be the primary speaker and who's going to be the secondary speaker. Um, And then when possible, what we found was an extremely helpful tool that goes along with that is having some sort of live chat. Mm -hmm. whether that be through a computer program or on, you know, people's mobile or cell phones, having like a group text going during calls and meetings, as long as it's, you know, appropriately done Mm -hmm. in a way that's not going to be distracting or offensive, but that allowed all the team members to say, don't forget to say this. Don't forget to say that. And this is, that's where the secondary speaker really came in. And, you know, the, because the primary speaker, you can't expect them to keep up with a chat. You know, they're the ones that are being put on the spot in that moment. And you can't always expect that person to remember 100% of everything that they want to mention. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the secondary speaker would be able to follow along with the chat and, you know, be able to insert themselves in an appropriate place and say, mm-hmm. oh, so-and-so, don't you remember that, that this XYZ is part of you know, the system or whatever it is that they're trying to explain and, you know, really be able to kind of like make sure that there weren't gaps. Mm -hmm. And so that was really, really helpful. We found that practice does make perfect. We did mock Mm -hmm. interviews and that seemed to help a lot. Um, We stressed that it's best to try to be as succinct as possible and sort of only answer what is asked. And that is not in any sense a way to you know not share as as much information as possible it is that you're really the state is really really trying to paint that picture of their systems for osep and you know as we all know they're very complicated systems and you have so many interchanging working pieces that you know we can equate to puzzle pieces or Mm -hmm. cogs or you know there's just so many moving parts that it can be kind of hard to paint that picture for outsiders. And so that was one of the things that we kind of stressed is like, you know, answer exactly what is being asked. And if if you have a good example or, you know, a lot of times you want to be able to show evidence or proof. Mm-hmm. And so being able to point to where that exists online, if it is a publicly available document, things like that are awesome. So please, you know, add those things in, but don't, go too far beyond what they're asking, because you don't want to muddy the waters. You want to be able to help them truly develop that overarching picture of what the state system is like and where the evidence exists.
0: Something I've you know heard too is you it's not enough just to make a statement or say like, yes, we do this, or mm-hmm. um, even explaining kind of how you really have to have that documentation that's either publicly available or internal or, you know, the evidence to show, like, we have these letters that we send out for notifications. Here's what they look like. Um,
2: Yeah. And if you were to see my my head right now, I'm nodding emphatically (laughs) that, you know, a lot of it is being able to show Mm -hmm. exactly what you're saying, to show the evidence. And, you know, finally, I would I would say, and I think most people are really excellent about this. I know that the states that I've worked with are, you you have to be patient. You know, monitoring is not a simple process. And a lot of times, you know, even if a state were to look through the OSEP prompts, Mm -hmm. you can see that a lot of the questions are kind of repetitive, but they're also almost like tiered you know, where you have the overarching question and then it goes into, the next question goes into a little bit more detail. The question after that goes into a little bit more detail beyond that. And, you know, while it feels that it's repetitive, again, I just think that everybody has to keep in mind that, you know, you're trying to provide an overview and then also some very specific information about complicated systems. And, you know, just to, to be patient and to kind of expect some of that repetition Mm -hmm. but to just always remember that it is in an effort to see the big picture it is in the effort to be able to say yes the state has this process and this evidence in place so you know they're just trying to to get just a big picture and so yeah my advice would be to be patient
0: Yeah, you might have to answer what seems to be the same question, you know, multiple times or in slightly different ways. But it's, you know, these people, OSEP, you know, isn't familiar with all the details and they're just trying to understand and and learn as much as they can. Great. Mary, what, what tips, lessons learned, you know, key advice do you think is
1: good for states to know? Well, I would definitely reiterate what Amber just ended with. Answer what you're asked Mm -hmm. and no more. Don't elaborate because in elaborating, you may get off topic, but just uh, stay with the question and and be as positive as you can be and do not hesitate to ask OSEP to restate the question Mm -hmm. to make sure that you heard it clearly. You don't have to do that every time, but if you need additional time to think or if you want them to restate the question, it's fine to ask and you can just tell them if you need more time or you want to get back to them at another time on that topic. That's that's absolutely fine. When you know the date that OSEP's coming, I would advise a tip I would have is to talk to your stakeholders that are going to be involved, your state advisory panel, your EC directors, other groups that you believe OSEP may be calling to let them know that you are going through this differentiated monitoring and support process, that you're excited about it as a state, or you're preparing for it as a state, and you want them to be as aware as they can be. I would Hope those partnerships are ongoing, but if in any case, I would I would notify your stakeholders and be as positive about the message as you can be. Um, and I, I think uh, it's helpful if you think about, if the OSEP is coming on site, if you think about logistics ahead of time, like where are you gonna position them in the room and where are you going to have your staff in the room? Who's gonna be talking and does everybody need to be there? all the time? Or do you need people going and coming, you know, for some of the parts? I just think thinking logistically about how it's going to work where people can hear the best looking at the room you're going to be in. And is up going to have people that are calling and and part of the virtual conversation? So that brings in a technology aspect. Does your room have internet access? Are you going to be able to have the zoom? application or Teams application so that OSEP can participate virtually if if that is true and even if it's not, well I think they pretty much always have a virtual component or somebody who's still in DC who didn't Mm -hmm. come on site but it's helpful to have a technology person right there because if you have to stop because somebody can't get on the internet or you can't the Zoom isn't working it's really handy if your technology person can be on site that's just another tip that popped into my head. Uh, as far as the interviews, also when when OSEP is on site, um, and you have designated person, and as Amber said, maybe a follow up person to answer questions. If you, as a state, you should not have contradictory, and it's not a it's not a good time for you to argue about something. So, don't don't override or or contradict what somebody else has said that that's what your ta facilitators are there for we can go over that after the fact in those debrief sessions we talked about but that should you should not contradict each other during the interviews and and you think that would be just the norm but if somebody hears something they disagree with sometimes they just want to say something right in that moment and it's not not typically the best time Uh, and back to the logistics part is is there an area where people can get coffee or water and just those uh, creature comforts that you may want to think about uh, when you have guests coming to visit your state. You want your state to look good. You want to receive OSEP in a comfortable atmosphere and perhaps give them uh, suggestions. Uh, sometimes they tell you what they want to do for mm. lunch, or but if, if not, you may want to provide a list of restaurants that are close by that can help facilitate their needs. Those are the main ones that I could add to what Amber said. She gave some great ones, also.
2: Yeah, and I'll I'll piggyback off of that a little bit because I think it's it's kind of it's kind of funny that you know the logistics of in-person meetings are something that we kind of have to bring forefront again. But I, you know, after several years of mostly having virtual meetings, I think those are some really great points, Mary. Um, and I would uh, only add to that, you know. Just be flexible, because the state that I worked with the on site visit had to be, you know, from it had to transition from a face to face to a completely virtual. And, you know, so the state had to pivot because they were already really kind of set up for the face to face and it all still went really, really well, but, you know, just being flexible to whatever the the meeting situation ends up being. Um that's just kind of the world that we live in today and remember that, you know, it, you might plan for one way and then it might go another way but just to keep rolling with it.
0: Those are some great tips and kind of some some takeaways I heard is, you know, like you said the flexibility and just all the preparation. I mean, hours and hours of, uh, you know, TA providers' time and, of course, the state just to um, really get ready and, and make sure that they're very thoughtful and have everything laid out and, and discussed and, and just that planning. And um, you just gave us, I think, so many great ideas and, and things to consider. Thank you both so much for sharing your wisdom and love to have you on again, maybe when you've gone through a few more of these and, and have even more that you've learned um as things change we know this process you know is is evolving too so thank you both so much
1: thank you amy
2: yeah my pleasure again like all i can say is practice makes perfect and it pays <laughs> off and it pays off in dividends it mm-hmm. really does because of the pressure for this situation but like playing a sport or doing anything else um, the more practice you have the better you are at it and the better your results are going to be so um, thank you for the opportunity for us to speak with you today
0: to access podcast resources submit questions related to today's episode or if you have ideas for future topics we'd love to hear from you the links are in the episode content or connect with us via the podcast page on the IDC website at ideadata.org.